Welcome to Q Talks, a podcast series by QTech, the Cambridge University Technology and Enterprise Club. This recording is from a live webinar with Professor Muhammad Yunus, the 2006 Nobel Peace Prize winner, talking about the future of social business. Everyone, thank you for joining us today to hear directly from none other than Professor Muhammad Yunus. I'm Bali, and I'm Edward. We'll be your host this afternoon or evening for you, Prof Yunus. This thank webinar you. is presented to you by the Cambridge University Technology and Enterprise Club, or QTech in short. QTech is one of the largest entrepreneurship society here at the University of Cambridge. And do check out our activities at www.qtech.io. And it is of my greatest pleasure to introduce a very special guest today, Professor Muhammad Yunus. Professor Yunus is a social entrepreneur, economist, banker, and civil society leader. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 2006 in recognition of his pioneering works in microfinance and microcredit through the Grameen Bank. His works have inspired thousands, if not millions of people all over the world, including mine, and perhaps most of who are present today as well. Professor Yunus is also the pioneer for the concepts of today's topic, social business. And I truly believe that there is no better person to talk about the future of social business than him. So without further ado, the stage is yours, Professor. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a wonderful occasion to meet you and say hello to you. And also share uh, some of the thoughts that uh, I'm sharing this time of the corona pandemic uh, because this is a time where uh, all the issues that I've been raising in the past kind of emerges uh, in a very visible way. Uh, the whole world has been conquered by one tiny virus in less than 100 days. Uh, the whole world was conquered by it and the world was not prepared for it. And uh, acted in a way that it shows how disorganized we are as a, as a human community. This is a common enemy. The virus was a common enemy, coronavirus. And the appropriate thing is to call the whole world get together to fight it out uh, in one command. But uh, when you look at it, uh, we see it happened exactly the opposite. It happened in a very chaotic way, in a very selfish way. Each country was busy with itself, trying to protect the people within its own nations. The nationalism and tribalism became very strong. And even hurting other people in order to keep their interest upheld. And while we should be building uh, a mechanism to have a collective fight for the collective, uh, the common enemy, we did the reverse. Uh, we had created a global organization to fight common enemy like this, WHO, World Health Organization. But during when uh, this attack came, we started attacking WHO rather than attacking the enemy. 
And we first, one country cut off this uh, financing, funding to the WHO, and then started uh, launching an investigation at the, at the beginning of the whole thing. So, and later on, uh, withdrawing from the WHO itself. I don't want to be with it. So this is a kind of a chaos that we had. And each country trying to bring resources for itself, rather depriving other nations. And you see that continuation of it. I'm just showing how selfishly we address this whole issue. Uh, when we come to the question of vaccine, corona vaccine, now we are talking about the vaccine every day in the newspaper when it's coming. They are promising that at the end of the year it will be coming. Uh, Russia says we are already doing it, we start doing it in, in this month and next month, etc. But again, the selfishness continues. We're still not fighting it as a common human, human community. Uh, big country, rich countries buying up everything that uh, they can get on the vaccine part. USA made compulsory that all the vaccines produced and invented and produced in USA must sell their vaccines to US only before it gets to anybody else. And US government is going around buying vaccines from other countries, like uh, they did from Sanofi, from France, uh, and other companies that they have to sell all the things they produce for the US. So US busy collecting everything for itself not worrying what happens to other people if I take away all the vaccines for myself. And same is repeated for UK. You saw signing of agreement each one after another with Glaxo, uh, 50 million doses from Glaxo and AstraZeneca, another big number of doses for the UK, and paying in advance, billions of dollars paid in advance for reserving all these vaccines. So before you can even have the vaccine created, produced uh, as an, an idea, as a concept, as a, as a proven medicine, you are playing games to get all the vaccine for yourself. So depriving, when you get it, you're depriving others. You're not sharing it with everybody. So what happens to other people, other countries? Nobody cares. So that's one vividly uh, describes the way we behave in our system. Our system produced us the selfishness in that. So that's what I was uh, worry, uh, arguing against when uh, I saw the problem in Bangladesh back in the 70s, 40 years back, 45 years back, uh, extreme poverty and so on. And I was wondering what economics uh, is supposed to do. And I've gone through a study economics like you are doing. And I have, no, I have no knowledge at all how to handle this poverty and all this all around me. I'm teaching economics in the university and university is surrounded by villages with extremely poor people. So I thought I learned something which is absolutely useless subject. It has no meaning to anything. It sounds fine on papers, but it's not relevant to people. Then I started arguing that uh, it's, it's funny that it's called a social science. I said, I don't see anything social about economics. Economics will be a business science if you want to do business of the kind that they are teaching. But it has nothing to do with society, nothing to do with social. If it is social science, it would be pouring in their knowledge to solve the problem of poverty, ill health, and housing, and so on. It doesn't do anything. It just leaves it. 
and say how business is run. They're always talking about the business and how, how business should be running to maximize profit so that the economy can grow. What is that? So I said, that I don't see anything social about economics. It should be removed from the social science list. If it has to be engaged in the social science, it has to talk about social issues, social issues about healthcare, social issues about wealth distribution. It doesn't talk about it. So we created a funny system where everything is against the people. Even the system of banking, which I got into involved because I said that since I don't know anything about uh, how to helping people, so I have to find it out. So that's how I tried to design something to give money to the people as a loan because they are victims of loan shock. I was trying to fight the loan shock. I was not talking about big issues, just to fight the loan sharks and give the money in the hands of the poor people, particularly poor women, so that they cannot, they can be free from the loan sharks and save their life. Because whatever they do, work very hard, but all the money is taken away by the loan sharks. I said, why is that? What happens to, what does economics has to say about it? You know, I said, look, all those books written about economics and so on, everything that we study, I have not read one paragraph about loan sharks and how to fight them. There's nothing. I said, then what? The people are suffering from the loan shark right next to my class. So what do I do? So I said, why don't they start lending money? So I started lending money myself. So I did that. And that's what the beginning of that. And they said, no, you, it's useless you're doing. You're giving money to poor people because they will never pay back. Pay back. I said, I'll try. And this is such a desperate situation. I just can't hide behind the speculation they will never pay back. I said, if they don't pay back, hard luck. I'll, I'll abandon it. But I will try my best to understand why they don't pay back. If they understood it properly, if I did it properly, probably they will pay back. Maybe it's my fault, not their fault. Why am I saying that? And the bankers were saying that, well, you cannot do such thing because these people are not bankable. They are not creditworthy. So when I started doing that working, I said, look, the question was not whether people are creditworthy or not. The whole question is whether banks are people-worthy or not. Your banks are not people-worthy. So you are doing something completely different. It's nothing to do with people. So that fight in the inside of the system, and I started defying all the things they are telling me in the banking system. So I designed a bank which is based on the defiance. Everything they do, I do the reverse. They go to the rich, I go to the poor. They go to city center, I go to the remote village. They go to give the money to men, I go to give the money to women. 97% of our borrowers, even today, after 42 years, out of 9 million borrowers, 97% are women, all in the villages. They go to the city, we go to the village. Even today, we have over nearly about 3,000 branches of Grameen Bank in Bangladesh. Not a single branch is still located in any city, any urban area. Not in one single one of them. Everyone is in the village. It's a reverse of what the banks would do. Bank will start with the city, and they hardly go to the village. When we started doing it, then there was some pressure that they have to go and do something with their own because it's working and so on. So reverse. So I thought the whole system of economics that we built is built in the wrong premises. And I said the whole system is built on a premise, the simple design of a human being, which is driven by self-interest. So economics is built on that human being, which is driven by self-interest. 
in, in other words, a selfish interest. Self-interest is selfish interest. That's why I was talking about the corona pandemic situation. We went back to our selfish part. We didn't to talk about sharing or anything because economics has squeezed away all, all the ideas of sharing and everything. It's all about me, 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 nothing else. So our eyes are blinded. We don't see anything else, just my own interest. So the whole world is run on that principle. And now when the pandemic came, the idea is uh, all the machines of the economics has to stop now. And every country is trying to restart the engine, economic engine. UK is desperate, USA, Trump is extremely desperate to get the machine running. And it's not run, it's a stop. It's, a, it's put into limbo, it's put into uh, sleep by the coronavirus. And what do you see when it's putting in this? And they're all getting ready with bundles of money, bags of money, some in billions of dollars, some in terms of trillions of dollars to restart the engine. Then I raised the question, do you really want to restart the engine? I said, I wouldn't just restart the engine because if you restart the engine, you are, expect you are expecting that we'll go back to where we are coming from before the pandemic. Wherever the st machine stopped, we want to go back at that position, then run again, start again. I said, I want to, don't want to go that position. Why? Because that world was a terrible world. And I am very thankful to coronavirus that it stopped me. I was in a train, fast train, rushing to my death. And that's what the world was, rushing to the death. Because everybody was saying, world has very little time left. Maybe 20 years, maybe 30 years, and after that, world is over. No human being can survive on this planet. Why? Because of global warming. It's getting worse and worse. 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2040. That's probably can tolerate a little bit. But if it is 2 degrees Celsius by 2050, it's over. Nobody can survive on this planet after that. And it's irreversible. You cannot change it anymore. You reach the point of no return. So you know perfectly well we are going to that. So I imagine it's a train taking us. We are all uh, in the kind of uh, death row. Uh, the, we have got the death sentence. We are rushing to the death. And the so finishing line is there. And coronavirus has stopped the train. And suddenly, we feel relieved that we don't have to go there. But now every country, every leadership is trying to push us to get back to the train and rush to the death. I said, why are you doing that? Is this, you're committing suicide. Why do you want to commit suicide? Now that the train has stopped, why don't we now think which way we can save ourselves in another direction? This direction is bad. So we have to go in another direction. So build a new track and put the train to go in a new direction, create a new world. This world is a death trap. We are gone, finished. Not only global warming is not the only one. If it's only one, we say, well, there is some possibility that we can scale. This is several things happening. You heard about the wealth concentration, extreme wealth concentration. All the wealth of the world is in the hands of a few people. And the 99% of the people don't have anything. Hardly they share 1% of the wealth of the world. What kind of world is it if all the wealth is in the hands of few people and the rest of the people don't have anything? It was Oxfam which was telling us every year that 50 people have more than 
uh, own more than 50% of the total wealth of the country and next year says 20% people own more than etc etc and we don't get aware of it we don't want to listen to it we are so busy rushing to the death we don't want to hear anything else we know it it's happening so wealth concentration is an explosive situation all the societies just explode you cannot tolerate all your blood in your body goes into the, your one fingertip rest of the body doesn't have it. that body doesn't function and this is the way we have created this economy and we want to go back to that situation to get it worse because every day is getting worse so and the third one is a massive unemployment you say where is unemployment you don't say it but artificial intelligence is coming you in your school you're saying you keep calculating how many years and how many people will be out of job in 15 years they say more than half a billion people in 15 years more than half a billion people will be replaced by artificial intelligence if you go 30 years it's just done finished people will be over didn't mean so what is the role of the people on this planet if machines take over everything do we have to just survive how do we survive who is going to feed us if i'm not working is the some say well the should the state should be feeding i said well, i'm not a beggar why should the state feed me i'm a human being i'm a created being i'm born here to take care of the whole planet so how come now i have to be beggar is, is this the success of my economics and so on i said no i don't need that kind of economics and that's it's going to happen it's all done it's, it's it's not some speculative thing it's all done i said no i don't want to go back so i keep saying that the most important thing to decide right now to decide no going back we don't want to go back we want to create another world this world is creating global warming is creating global massive unemployment is creating massive continuation of wealth concentration so we have to build the reverse of that world in order for us to survive the world of three zeros zero net carbon emission zero wealth concentration wealth should be shared by everybody not concentrated between people and zero unemployment there shouldn't be any unemployment at all this is the kind of world we can, and we can build that provided we replace that selfish person in our thinking in our process the one who is self interest driven person because the real person is not a self interest driven person that's a miscategorization misconceptualization the economists have done thinking all people are driven by self interest no all people are driven by two interests self interest and common interest economics took away common interest from its picture common interest is not your job is something government should do you should be concentrating on your self interest and we became a narrow human being because economics put all these ideas into our mind and education system that you are going through we have gone through they tell you no no you are you are the person should be taking care of yourself nobody else and leave everything else to the government i said why should the government do it what about me i can do it because that's what i want to do so if you replace this person by a person who is self interest driven as well as common interest driven then world becomes a completely different one you have the business to make money which is a self interest driven business and you need the other business which doesn't exist and we have been creating it because i said it is part of us is a common interest driven and that is the social business the business for common interest that's all it means in a self interest driven you accumulate all the money that you can have squeeze everybody to make your maximum profit 
And in social business, you give things in a business way so that it's a sustainable business. You don't want to make a penny for yourself. The same person, I can do both businesses. If we do that, the whole world will be different. So we come back to the corona vaccine. Now the big companies want to make money, billions of dollars, same vaccine which is being sold at $3,000 a piece. That's a dose they're talking about. Actually can be now another company says uh, they will be producing it, selling it for $3 in India. Same company, same medicine, same vaccine. So why is there so much a difference between $300,000 to $3? It's a what kind of thing. So this is the issue that we have to, why don't we create a social business pharmaceutical company where we'll be producing medicine, vaccines, and so on to cover the costs, not to make ourselves rich. Because our only objective is to make sure people get it at the price that it costs, nothing more. I don't want to make money out of people's life. The more high price I get, then more people will suffer, more people will disappear out of this uh, pandemics and so on and so forth. I don't want to do that. So people are now doing that. So this is where the social business comes in. And a terrible thing happens, uh, revealing all the weaknesses. And I don't know whether you have seen those pictures uh, in the televisions or in the newspapers. Massive exodus of people in India, migrant workers going home during the corona period because everything is stopped. Along with that stoppage, the livelihood disappeared because they had the livelihood of daily income earning. They will sell things, do things, daily income, and bring home and eat. And next day, go back and do the, these are the informal sector people. And now when this machine is stopped, they cannot go out anymore because we have all pandemic people staying home, cannot, economy doesn't function anymore. So the first thing to do, they are all their income stopped. Now they cannot buy food, they cannot pay rent, wherever they're happening. So out of desperation of survival, they started more going back to where they're coming from, from the villages they came from, and see millions of people on the highways. What are they doing? They're going home. On foot, 1,000 miles away. I said, my God, these people are always there. Economics never noticed them. Now suddenly it emerges from all these holes that they are inside those cities working daily life. And they call it informal sector. See, the very name informal sector is a very insulting word. It doesn't describe it. Since you don't know how to handle them, you abandon them, calling them informal sector. And you are busy with the formal sector because it's so convenient for the formal sector. And half the economy, half the people, and more than half the people are involved in informal sector in countries like Bangladesh, India, and Indonesia, and more than half the people are in informal sector. And you don't involve in that. And you call your social science. I said the appropriate name for the informal sector should be micro-entrepreneur sector. These are the people who are struggling and doing things in their own way. They are entrepreneurs, but they are victims of the loan sharks. That's what the loan sharking tribes all over the world. Everywhere. You go to New York City, they will exist. You go to uh, Jakarta or Bali, they flourish, or Dhaka, they flourish, or go to any village in Indonesia, Bangladesh, Malaysia, wherever you want, India, they flourish. This is their trick out of the blood the, of the informal people, informal entrepreneur people. If you had given a fair kind of banking system for them, they will come out. 
I said, once you recognize them as a micro-entrepreneurs, just the recognition, economics giving them the recognition, micro, then you can build info, financial system to come and work with them. Like microcredit, we did that in the villages, so that we, and it worked. And since you are not involved with it, you say it doesn't work. It's, they are not credit worthy. I said, no, we have proven it everywhere. We work in Indonesia, we work in Malaysia, we work in Philippines, we work in the United States. Everywhere it works. All over Latin America, it works. So what is the complaint about it? After all these years of demonstration, still they are not interested. They are still microcredit is a footnote in the financial sector. It's not in the, in the mainstream. I said, why not? So the moment you recognize it as a micro-entrepreneur sector, I said, why don't you now create social business micro-entrepreneur bank? It should be social business bank, not the bank to make suck blood again from the poor people. And that micro, the microcredit became a tool in the hands of the loan sharks in many countries. They call microcredit, but actually they are doing the loan sharking the old ways. Now they're in a kind of fancy name with the microcredit. But the same thing. We created microcredit as a social business. We didn't want to make money for ourselves. And that's what we did make it right from the beginning. Said new banks, micro-entrepreneur banks should be a social business micro-entrepreneur bank so that they can flourish, they can do. And it is the base, is the foundation of the entrepreneurial pyramid of the country. If you take the entrepreneurial pyramid, you build the pyramid, the base is the micro-entrepreneurs. Billions and millions of them inside of them. They are the thriving population with creative activities. They are not dependent on the government. Government do, doesn't do a thing for them. They are not dependent on economics because economics abandoned them. They are on their own. And they do it with their own creative power and make this still survive. They will survive pandemics also. They have survived all our floods. They have survived all our cyclones and tsunamis. They do it, survive. They have their own creative way of surviving. They are. The, the commitment for their life and so on, they could do that. Why don't we support it? They have it. So you have the base full of entrepreneurship and it is a pyramid. And if you go at the, at the top of the pyramid is the multi-billion dollar businesses. In the middle of it is multi-million dollar businesses. And at the base is the multi-hundred dollar businesses. That's it. So why don't you bring all this creative, all this uh, uh, Facilities for them, the financial facilities, legal rights. If you want to sell your things in the street, the police will come and beat you up to throw you away. I don't know where I can sell my thing. I have no place. Why didn't you give a place for them so that they can they say that this is my rightful place? Law gives me the authority to come and sell it. Every, every Sunday, you give the street for the micro-entrepreneurs, wherever they want to sell, this is their day. They will do it... Uh, their shops and you come. And some countries do that. Some cities do that. They keep the city free, uh, the particular streets free for only micro-entrepreneurs. They go and do it and they go to business and people come there to buy and sell because nice things they're selling. They do that. So why don't we do that? Give them the facility, legal right and so on. Suddenly everything changes. So this is what the social business is all about. In the beginning you're saying, what is the future of the social business? I said, I would ask the question of, what is the future of the capitalist system? Capitalist system doesn't have a future. And that's the reason we have to build the social business because in order to survive for ourselves, because capitalist system has, the way it has been designed now is taking us to the old world, the world that which will be finishing in the next 30, 40 years. When I said, no going back, we don't want to go back. 
we want to create another one. I said, old roads will always take you to the old destination. All the things you are studying, all the things you're teaching in the classrooms, these are old roads. Old roads will always take you to the old destination. Old destination of extreme global warming, extreme wealth concentration, extreme unemployment. This is guaranteed and it gets worse. So why should I go to the old roads? Our chance is to defy all those, throw it away and build another one, a new road. A new road which will create the other world with no global warming at all, zero net carbon emission, zero world concentration, and zero unemployment. It's possible. Nothing is impossible for human being. It's a question of whether we want it or not. Don't we know who is creating this global warming? We all know, you know, everybody knows. If you should give you 10 minutes, you'll write down who is doing the global warming. If you know they're creating global warming, killing us, that's why our children are marching in the street. You remember? Fridays for future. Every single country in the world, they're on the street every Friday, marching on the street, accusing their parents, accusing their grandparents. They were so irresponsible. You destroyed the whole world for us. You wanted to be in your comfort zone, knowing fully well that I will have no future for us. So they're asking for their future, Fridays for future, future for survival. And you cannot build that future for survival going to the old roads. So we have to build it in another way. And that's the challenge for all of us we have. We have to make it, and we know how to do that. We know who is creating all this global warming. We know who is, who, what organization, what institution is creating the wealth concentration. We know what will be creating all those un massive unemployment. But we don't want to do that. We are in our comfort zone. Each one of us is in a comfort zone. Which, uh, we live our life, we, are, we have our retirement benefits and so on. All. We'll get a good job, we'll get a good degree. Who cares for anything else? It will, because your children will never no, will not survive on this planet. Your grandchildren will never even cross their childhood, forget about adulthood. And is this the world we're looking for? We'll be creating a world where we'll hand over the world much more safe than we found it when we came to the world. And their commitment will be to hand over this world safer than they found it. And that's the direction we go. Now we are doing the reverse. We make it worse than we found it. And we hand it over to the next children, the next generation, the next generation makes it worse. So this is the direction. So the first decision is in this uh, situation, no going back. This is the greatest opportunity we will ever have. And we, if we don't take this opportunity, we are doomed, we are finished. So I will be urging all everybody to take this opportunity, make sure we don't repeat the same work ways of doing things as we did in the past. And coronavirus, thank you very much for making us aware that we got not only aware, you gave us, you gave us a chance by stopping. We couldn't have stopped the train. Train was rushing. They stopped the train, now today we can get off the train and move someplace else. And this is a big opportunity that we got. I will stop here, thank you. Thank you, Professor Yunus. I think we all agree that was a very inspiring talk. And we have to revisit, like you say, our selfish characters and just make sure we are aware of it. And it's also amazing how you see opportunity instead of the crisis in terms of these uncertainties. And um, we have quite a lot of um, questions in the chat. But if I may just start the Q&A from my side. Go ahead, yeah, sure, sure. 
Yeah, I'll love to hear more about the three zeros you, you mentioned. Um, yeah, right. um, and you do mention to do that, we need to replace the selfish interest um, to common interest, and that's social business. My question is, what, what do you see the role of current private sectors or the capitalist um, companies that's already in the system, as well as government in terms of achieving these three zeros? Do you, need, do you see a need to collaborate between private sectors, government, and social businesses? Well, you may, you may not. Uh, I think it's at the hand of me and you as individuals. Uh, if I if I want to run um, that water business that I was talking to you, uh, that I want to sell water so that people have clean water in their village, uh, don't have to drink polluted water and kill themselves, and I do it on my own, I don't need any government permission or anything. Because if I follow the rules and so on, it's uh, just like any other, I just sell water in my village. And I don't want to make money. It's my decision. It's not government decision. And you said, uh, can we um, do our, uh, instead of selfish, you can selfless. I said, it's both built in us. It's not something we're inviting from outside. It is us. What the capitalist theory, that the existing economic theory has done, it blocked it out by saying that, no, you are a self-interest-driven human being. It's a wrong idea. And it built into our head. We forgot that we are born as a person with both interests, self-interest and common interest. So they blocked out the common interest. I said, unlock it. You have it. Came with that. So I'm not saying that all those people who are running the big businesses or small businesses, whatever business, they shut down their... I'm not saying that. I'm saying they all can do the other business also. It's in addition. It's not closing down. And... Then what happens? They will do some little business here as a social business, selling water, selling healthcare, selling this as a social business. Will this end this problem? No, that's not what I'm saying. Once you do that, you discover yourself. You have the capacity. Then you have a question. Should I do more of social business or more of self-interest driven business? It's my decision now. And I'm betting that once I found out that I can do, reach out to many people I can uh, impact on so many people's life. I get excited about it. I want to do more of it. And I can, people say, ah, why should anybody do social business? They don't make money into that kind of business. Why should they do it? So I try to explain it by saying like this. I say, look, making money may be happiness. That's why people want to make money. Making money is maybe happiness. But making other people happy is a super happiness. So no, I don't see it. Super heaven. I said, you never did it. How do you see it? I said, you have to do it first to find out. I said, there's such an intoxicating thing. Once you start touching other people's lives, you cannot come out of it. It's a really super happiness. So, but our school never teaches teach us to get the super happiness. They are busy with the happiness part, of it, not the super happiness part. So that part is blocked for us. I said, I'm opening up. It's up to you to decide how far you want to go. Should you lock down everything and go for a super happiness. If it is super happiness, of course you'll get away from happiness in, in search of the super happiness. Why should you start, uh, kind of go for the little things? You go to the big things. You can, you can change the whole world. This is in your capacity. You're going to stop the global warming by social business. You can stop the wealth concentration by social business. If you can do that, I'm, then my life is worth living. I have to find out the purpose of my life. If school doesn't teach me about the purpose of my life, they give me the degree but not tell me, or doesn't 
helped me explore my purpose of life. My life has to be relevant to the purpose. Making money, if that's the purpose you have chosen, go ahead, do it. But I have to find other alternatives. What do I do with my life? It's a very short period. And it becomes shorter for the next generation. And the third generation that will be coming after us, after people that you are, we are together in this, they will probably will not even survive. They have a full life for themselves. So why should I do that? I should be helping them to have a full life, longer life than I have. That's the direction that I should be going, not the other way around. So this is what, I'm not saying that you shut down. I said you design, add things. I'm always adding things. I'm not taking away anything. It's your choice. Human beings have to have choice. You see, conventional economics prides itself about giving people options. That's what the capitalist system is. You have options. I said, yes, you say that. But when it comes to business, there is no option. Only, only thing you can do, make money. There's no other kind of business. I said, I'm giving them option. You have a choice. You can do the social business or profit maximizing business. Or you can do both. And I tell the same thing to the corporate. You ask me, what about the corporate? I said, corporates can do the same thing. They can make money as they do. Also, they can create social business. That's why we have joint ventures now. It is, the, it is the initiative of the corporates to come and talk to us that we want to create social business. So we have joint ventures, social businesses by the corporates like the Danone, Diolia in France, like Uniqlo in Japan, and in McCain in Canada, and BSF in the Germany, in many countries. They are doing on their own. Nobody has beaten them up. No government has ordered them to do it because they see this is a problem. We can solve it by creating a social business. They have done the social business. If, when they heard about it, they got excited about it, and they started it. And they're running it. They've done closed, they closed them down. So oh, this, is, this doesn't work. This is a funny thing. They didn't say that. And more and more of this. And pandemic has made this more acceptable, more open, because we don't know how, what kind of world we'll be heading for. So the social business may be the way to save us. Otherwise, this business is not going to. This business is going to kill us. We know the clear picture: the killings. So this is what they're saying. So it has, it has to be redesigned. Minds have to be created in that way. You ask that question. Let me quickly add in that in that one entrepreneurship issue that you raised earlier. You said the school are teaching. The education system is teaching everywhere that you are, you have to work hard, get a good degree go to the best university possible so that you get a good degree, so that you get the best job is the best company. That's the whole purpose. Getting the job is the destiny of every young person. I said, that's a very, very kind of a wrong idea to have a best job in the best company. We are not born to work for the best company. Why should I work for the best company or any company? I said, human beings are born as entrepreneurs, not job seekers. Job is a wrong design of it, wrong thinking of economics who designed it. In order to make that their theory look perfect, they introduced this idea that everybody has to go and work for somebody. I said, no, human beings are born for themselves, for being entrepreneurs. I keep saying that when we are in the cage as a human being, as we are coming from the history, we are not sending job applications to anybody. We are on our own, and that's our human history. We are always on our own. We became hunters, we became gatherers, we became farmers. We are always taking care of ourselves. 
and we are not under anybody's order. We did our own survival, we fought it with the nature, we fought with the adversities, and we did that. And today, suddenly economists come, no, 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 you have to work with somebody. So they devised the education system, prepared them so that they get job-ready young people. I said, what a shame. They shouldn't be, universities should not be producing job-ready young people. They should be producing life-ready young people. You misconstrued the whole thing completely. So I'm an entrepreneur. So if I'm an entrepreneur, all human beings are entrepreneurs. If the financial system could be built that way, everybody will be entrepreneurs. Today I take a job because I have no option. I don't have money. My parents don't have the money. So I get a job. So that's the only way I can do. I can serve somebody else. If we all become entrepreneur, there will be no wealth concentration. Wealth concentration happens because I work for the company who makes the money. I don't make the money. I get only the salary. He makes the money. The owner gets the money. So he creates wealth concentration because he can make it because I work for him. If I didn't work for him, there was no wealth concentration. If I'm an entrepreneur, I pick up my own wealth. You pick up your wealth. So everybody picks up their wealth. So what is the chance of concentration? Concentration happens when he can concentrate you to work for him. And that's what the concentration happens. Otherwise, there's no concentration. So it's all question of how you design things. It's like creating a software. If you want to create a software where wealth will be distributed by everybody, you'll be bringing things in a way where wealth will be distributed by everybody else. It's a question of designing things, putting the right kind of characteristics of human being, how they behave, how to do that, and design a system to enhance that, not reduce it, not push through a kind of a system where I'm reluctantly entering into it. Anyway, I stop here because others have asked some questions too. Thank you, Prof. Yunus. I think that, that was very interesting. And since we are talking about redesigning the new you know, ecos sure. um, economic system, I think there's been a couple of questions about what should be the new measurable goals, perhaps the KPI that we should be aiming for in order for that system to start? And where should we start? What sort of roles perhaps we as individuals could do? First of all, uh, schools should be teaching us uh, that as a human being, as an individual, I can change the world. I don't have to wait for anybody else. It's my power. And particularly this generation, your generation, has enormous power. that uh, No other previous generation ever had that power. So in that sense, you are the most powerful generation in human history. Why? Why are you so powerful than other generation? Are you smarter than other people? No, you're not smarter. You're just like anybody else. But you are born with enormous technology in your hand. No other generation history ever had that kind of capacity, that kind of technological power in the hands of the young people. You are born with technology. In our life, we started in a very prehistoric way. We used to write by pen, you know? There's something called pen, and you had to have paper, and you had to write in long hands, and very hard. And then if I'm writing to you, I'll be very careful how I write it to you. And then stick it into an envelope, and lick some stamps on top of it, and go to the real mailbox, not in the screen, real mailbox, and put it there, and wait for, weeks or months, you get a reply. You are born where you click, 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 and it's done. And before you finish, the reply comes. With the face, with the pictures and everything else. So your life is completely different. Even the little child, when he grows up today in your families and everybody's families, he starts 
not taking pen or scribbling something, he started touching the wall because he thinks everything is a, is a touch screen. He touches everything, but he'll see something happening and start pushing things because that's how his mind is growing, that is touching makes things happen. And he's right, he's touching makes things happen. It's a touch to do that. So what I'm saying is a powerful thing. So all those things that the growth and other things will be relevant subjects. Are, you, are we here to grow or to eliminate wealth concentration? If growth is in conflict with wealth concentration, which one you will support? If growth is uh, uh, in conflict with the global warming, which one you will support? So you have to take, make your choices. What is growth? I'm not eating growth. Growth is not killing me either. I don't want jobs. So what is the growth for? What do we do with it? All I know is the global warming is clearly killing me. So I do everything to stop the global warming. And I stop the people who are making the global warming. I make sure that I don't put my money into a bank, which is lending money to someone to create a fossil fuel power plant. I don't want to put my money into it because my money is going into fossil fuel. So do I ask the bank, that where, what, does he, what do you do with my money? Can you show me where you're spending your money? You're investing in your money? We don't ask them. They gave me interest, I'm very, very happy. Go back and then make speeches about global warming. And we are all, all know what is happening, but we don't want this, it's a comfort zone. So do I have to go and tell them that the banks, I go to the bank which is a, who can declare certified green bank. Not a single penny of that bank goes into fossil fuel, not a single penny of that money goes into plastic businesses. And I don't, when I go to the uh, supermarket, I don't buy anything with the plastic. I don't uh, uh, do anything with the fossil fuel uh, using anything. Uh, I don't use anything which uses fossil fuel. I say green energy, you give the green, green energy, I'll take it. Then I create the green world. It's my decision which creates it, not the decision of the other people. So if I, if I see, I'll say, uh, I go to a grocery store which uh, they put on green, spot in the, every commodity they sell or the yellow spot or the red spot, signifying this is a green product. It doesn't contribute to global warming in the entire process of its production. It's a yellow, we are not quite sure whether it does or does not. Maybe sometimes does, but sometimes not. The red one is definitely is contributing to that. So I don't understand, touch those red products or yellow products. I go straight for the green product because I want to save myself and my children. I have the responsibility of protecting my children. So these are the responsibilities we are talking about. It's not about demonstrating on the street and so on. I have to convince myself that yes, I want, I want to do that. So where, whether it will be a, a kind of a growth or something, you say, what do you want for out of life? Just the word growth doesn't mean anything to me. Is, is it something that uh, relevant to me? Is it something make the world safer? Is it something which is uh, making world uh, socially convenient for sharing the planet together, those kind of issues. Yeah. So we have to design new concepts. That's what I'm, all I'm saying. The, these concepts are to push the, to remove all the other arguments. Oh, no, no, it's growth is very important. Then you stop. I said, okay, growth is important. Why is it important? I don't know. How does it relevant to me? I said, growth means job. I said, I don't need jobs. I'm an entrepreneur. Who cares for the job? And we created social business venture capital fund in Bangladesh. Because I keep saying to our young people that 
forget about jobs, you're an entrepreneur, go and start a business. So there's no money. I said, I'll create the money. I create, so I created Social Business Venture Capital Fund and tell the unemployed young people, come with a business idea, I'll invest in your business. That's not your problem. Money is not your problem. Idea is your problem. You come with the idea, I'll invest in your business. Whichever business you want, whether social business, money-making business, doesn't matter. As long as you don't harm the plan, that's all. You come with business, and I invest in your business. And your deal is, since I'm a social business venture capital, the deal is, when you're successful in business, return the money that I gave you. I don't want to take away your profit, because I don't want to profit maker. All I want to help you to get into the business part of it. And if I'm successful, I launched you in the orbit. So you, and you need the second round of business money from us, come back with another idea, how to expand the business, I'll check it again. If it's good that yes, you designed it well, I invest it again. It's, it's a equity investment. So don't worry about loan, how to pay, how much interest to pay, how many, how the burden of the loan, nothing. It's a business joint venture. If the business fails, we both are responsible for it. You are not alone because I'm owner, I'm a owner. I'm probably I'm 95% owner, you're only 5% owner. So I'm 95% responsible for it. So don't worry about that. Let's move on. And now thousands and thousands of young people come with business idea. We keep on investing with them and continue. Even in the pandemic time, they're still running their business. And they're not upset. They're not saying that we are remote, we are doing, complaining. So this is it. And about making money, um, I think we have yes. questions on that. How do you draw line, basically fulfilling the social responsibility that you need to do and achieving that profitability? Because we all know setting up business is difficult as it is. And um, nine out of 10 startups are failures. And it becomes even more relevant now because of these uncertainties and the pandemics that we are facing right now. What are your what are the things you to consider in terms of making sure that social business is sustainable? I think we we will be interested to know about that. Sure, it's a very it's, the answer is in your question itself. If it is a business, if if it is a business, it has to be sustainable. Otherwise, it's not a business. So, in every business, uh, there is a high risk of failure, particularly uh, startups. Many of the starts have failed. So we, how do we deal with these young people for the first time they are running the business with our money and so on? We tell them, look, never expect that you'll be successful. Get ready for your failure. And how to overcome that failure. Because we are not giving up. One failure will not eliminate us from the market. We'll come back again. So this is our joint business. So you make sure how to stay alive. If you fail, we come back again. We'll put money in, into business again. Try again. In the second chance, you may be successful. Or you may be failure again, second failure. So we'll try again. So gradually we'll move on. Some will be one time successful, second time successful, some will be third time successful. We'll continue. Because otherwise, it's my idea how to find opportunities so that I'm successful. Whether you want to make money, whether you want to help other people, that's up to you. I'm not saying everybody has to do social business with my money. I'm a social business because I don't want to take money. But you can do whatever you want because you are starting a business. You have to learn this business and so on so that you can feel comfortable that, yes, you are comfortable with your business. And then you decide after you are comfortable, 
whether you want to start a social business alongside. Don't forget that. That's all. So the, that fate is there. The failure fate is common to everybody, uh, whether you are a money-making business, whether you are a uh, social business, uh, that will be there. But this is the beginning. And in the second round of experiences, people will learn more for the social business, how to stay alive, how to make sure that it gets to this, how to make it easier for them. So they will have more experience. If all businesses fail, we'll not be here. The economy is gone, finish. They don't. That's how we can't keep on keep the wheel running. Yeah. Well, Professor Yunus, to build on top of that um, previous narrative, yeah. do you have any practical advices for someone who might be keen to start a social business? Suppose I would like to start my social business tomorrow. What sort of things should I be looking out for? What should I prepare? Practical advices. Uh, one practical expertise would be get ready for a failure. It's a, whatever you do, so that you make sure that you don't fail. That the failure is there. It's a mark there. It's a, you have the virus of the failure virus because you are studying one. You maybe have some. Prepare yourself so that you don't fall victim to that virus and continue. This is one. If you want to do a social business that brings narrows you down, you have to find out what problem you are going to solve. You have to have a very clear picture because you have to design the business to solve the problem. In, in conventional businesses or money-making businesses, you don't care what business as long as it gives you profit. So you're looking at profit-making. What is the best chance of making best profit? So you're, that's the territory you're looking for. In social business, you're looking for the, what problem you want to solve by your business. It may be healthcare problem. It may be environmental problem. It may be... Um, uh, problem of uh, water or sanitation or whatever problem it is. you have to have a very precise or you're helping unemployed people to get uh, become entrepreneur that's your social business like our experiences or in the UK probably those who are in dole who those who are in subsidy those people live in subsidy because they have no other opportunity for them government pays them every month and you decided you want to create a social business to take three people on subsidy, out of subsidy. That's your business. You create a business where they will be employed and you have a nice business or a, uh, carry on food or something, whatever you design, they're the one employed and they have a decent salary from you and your business earns enough to pay for itself and you don't want to make profit, you solve the problem of three and people on, on the shoulder of taxpayers. Now they become fully on their feet, they're good employee, they make the beginning of their. So you solve the basic problem of the world. And seeing you do that, somebody says, oh, he has only done three, I can do uh, 10. So he's started another business to take 10 people out of the subsidy, out of the welfare program, and do that. And many of the friends that I know, doing that in Japan, in the USA, taking the uh, young uh, juvenile um, uh, uh, prisoners from the uh, prisons. You know, the, one of the problems of uh, juvenile prisoners, they go there with a small uh, shoplifting or something. Very innocently did that. It's a fun thing. He needed it. He didn't have the money, so he lifted it, and he got caught. And he got punished. He went to the jail. 
and spend his time, six months, one year, whatever time he did. In the meantime, he's trained by other people in that. When he comes out, he defeats his crime. Now that he's more hardened and goes back soon, in a year, two years, every such person, young person who goes to jail, keeps on repeating going back to the jail. This is the history of any juvenile cases that you see. So what these young people are doing, they created one in the USA, in New York, they set up a beautiful restaurant with the vegan food, delicious vegan foods. Every employee of that restaurant are ex-prisoner so that they can have a decent job so that they don't have to go and repeat their thing, go back to the prison again. And they tell each other what kind of thing they do. They're not ashamed of it. Now they have a decent job. And this is the purpose. And even if you have employed 10 people in your uh, restaurant for this, and one of them slipped back again to jail, but you save nine. And in the next round, probably you'll have better results as you go on. And because now they see that, yes, I've done that. And it happened exactly the same way in Japan. They took the same story because in Japan, the same story. It's worldwide the same story. So it's a question of what is it that you want? You design it, this social business and make it. Say, what about my money? How do I survive? I'm helping other people to do that. I say, it's a business. We are against taking personal profit so that, that profit making is removed from my mind because profit blinds my eyes. I don't see things the way it is. All I see is money. So I, I become greedy. So in order to take that off, the greed part, so that part we take away the profit part. But the salary part, I still have the salary. I run the restaurant, which I created for the ex-prisoners. I run the store as a manager, I get a salary. That's my, job. That's my uh, income. So I'm not an abundant person that I, I did everything for others, but nothing happened to me. I'm a very good manager. I did lots of things. So I have a, assigned myself a salary out of my company, reasonable salary. People will not say that, oh, in the name of salary, you're actually making profit. No. You, you try to hire me for something else, at that salary I will not go. Because I enjoy it, that's why I'm doing this. And that's it, I'm happy with it. It's all about happiness. It's nothing else. Money, money cannot be a measure of happiness. The way we, we're mistaken in this world, that money equals happiness, not true. Happiness is something else. It comes from another direction. It's about what your mind wants and how you feel about yourself, your life, and so on. That's happiness, if you're going in that direction. No. Uh, that was very inspiring. Um, okay. um, just being mindful of time, I think we'll take one last question from the audience. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I think there's a practical question on, on the governance of microloan and microfinance. Uh, things like how, how do you ensure that the money that is being loaned are used in a proper manner? The money that is loaned uh, is not used for unnecessary private spending. Instead, it is used for... Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Of course, this is part of your business. Like in microcredit, always we have to argue with that. Many mis misuse that microcredit. Uh, see, we started the microcredit for giving money for income generating purposes. So you take the money so that you can start making money out of money and then pay back the money. If you're not generating money, it's very difficult for you to pay back money. So we always say in microcredit it's about financing income generating activity. So when it became very popular, many people want to start making big money out of microcredit, they started lending money for consumption loans. 
So you can buy a refrigerator, you can buy gadgets, you can buy this, you can buy big screen televisions. He said, that's not microcapital because you are trapping him now. You are becoming agent for the products by giving consumption loan to sell this product from that product and you get money from them and you get money from the borrowers. You make yourself rich, but they are in trouble. They couldn't afford the refrigerator, but you made them buy that refrigerator because you paid them the money. The whole collapse of the uh, 2008 uh, world uh, economic collapse was done by that. That's housing law. You cannot afford a house, but somebody explained that, oh, the house will pay for itself. You don't have to pay a penny, and at the end, you get a beautiful house, and by that time, market price has gone so up, you'll be double richer than that. And you said, okay, what do I do? I said, just sign here. You sign, and you got trapped. And then next time, he said, look, it's working very well. Don't you want to buy another one? He said, double your money. You go here and take that one. This is how the housing collapse came. Because this is a dangerous thing. When the money-making blinds everybody, you don't care what happens to your client as long as you're making money. They knew fully well that these people will be in trouble. But in the meantime, you make money. Your company makes money, your company gives you a sweet talk, and you go and do the sweet talk that you need it. Without this, your life is meaningless. Without this gadget, without this television, without this car, your, your life is meaningless. They drill into your head. And somebody said, here's the money. Just sign the papers. You're signing off your life. That's what economy does to you. When money-making blinds you. You don't care whether you're your father or your brother or your sister. doesn't mind. You get into a trap, get them into a trap so that you make money, your company makes money, and you get a bonus out of it. All right. With that... Okay. We have come to the end of the sessions. A big, okay. big thank you to Professor Yunus who has thank you, thank you very much. Good to yeah. see you. Any last okay. word of advice for our audience? Yes, indeed. It's even the point I say is the most powerful generation in human history. That's what I was trying to explain to you. Try to think about: it. Does it make sense to you? Do you feel that yes, in some way or in a big way, you are the most powerful generation? in the human history so far. And if you're convinced that you are human, most powerful, then ask yourself the second question. If you have so much power in you, what use you're going to make this power for? You have the power, you know that, but you have to use it. If you don't use your power, it's zero, it's nothing. You wasted that power. And I can almost tell you that, uh, to give an analogy, you have the, Having power means you have the Aladdin's lamp in your hand. And if you touch that Aladdin's lamp, the genie will come out. And see, what can I do for you? Say, go and do it. And he'll do it for you. But unfortunately, you didn't recognize this Aladdin's lamp. Never bothered to touch it because you didn't know that this has a power. And it's wasted just like any other piece in there. You just put it in your shelf. It's lying there. Don't do that mistake. If you feel that you have the power, and if you today I just mentioned the Aladdin's lamp, you are the lamp. You are the genie. Ask yourself to do it. Whatever you want to do, it will be done. Don't be afraid. Just because you look different, you look like just like everybody else, but you're a genie. You are a different generation, genie generation. You can do anything you want. Don't forget that. Make use of it. Small things, 
shouldn't interest you. A job, this house, this car, this, these are too small for you. These are for previous generations who needed a car for the first time in their history of their family's tradition, never owned a car before, never went to school before. They went to school. Your job is to change the world. You don't need any of this. You don't need a car. You don't need a house. You don't need anything. You don't need a promotion. You don't need a bonus. You create your own world. That's all you need. Thank you. Thank you so much. We are, can't wait to change the world. I hope everyone are very inspired. And I think that's all from us. So thank you everyone thank you. for joining us um, today. It's been a great pleasure. And I think that's all. So see you in our next event. Thank you.